Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. the Lord. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to take a few moments and see if I can get this thing figured out right here. See if I can, uh, might want to turn that off until I get it figured out. Maybe that'll hold it in place for me. Thank you, Brother Townley. I do appreciate those kind words, and um, he done got good at getting my text earlier where he could memorize all of that stuff. But anyway, it is good to be here. So thankful for God's goodness, his mercy, and his blessings. Allow me to be in his house to know this glorious truth. I'm thankful for truth today. Amen. I'm thankful for truth today. You cannot be free until you know the truth. Amen. So it is good to be here. I want to say thank you for the invitation to be here. I count it a great honor and a privilege to uh, come every opportunity that I have to speak to young people. And um, I can remember when I was a young people that um, I always wondered why they got all of these old guys to preach youth meetings and uh, then they always put the real old one on the day services because it was kind of dry and boring. Uh, so um, here I am. And uh, I, I try to figure out why I'm here at this time uh, until I look in the mirror and I see all the changes and the force of gravity that has taken place in my life. But uh, I do count it a very uh, great honor to be able to talk and to preach and to help young people. I love young people very much, and um, I've given my uh, life to them and to see uh, them accomplish and be what God wants them to be because we can, we can focus on winning the entire world and let our own children go to hell. And I'm not interested in, in not focusing on the world Neither am I interested in allowing our children to go to hell. Amen. This is our, our prime. Amen. This is our prime priorities. Because the Bible says that I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Amen. So if we save the whole world and lose our only soul, we have not accomplished a lot. And so I counted a very... A great honor to be here today. Thank you for the room. The room, the accommodations is so nice. Thank you for the wonderful basket. And uh, it has been torn apart. I come in yesterday uh, in the room and there was little packages laying all over the place. I don't know if my kids had gotten in there or what, or the youth group or what, but I hope my wife didn't eat all of that stuff. But, but anyway, thank you so much. Everything has been so great. And um, I'm uh, uh, glad to have my brother and his wife, the folks here from Stuttgart today, 
And uh, I don't see uh, my sister here. If I'm overlooking you, I, I apologize for slamming you. But I know if you're not here, you're listening. And I want you to know to my, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, my mother would be highly disappointed in both of you today <laughs> because you're 50 miles from here and you're not in this church service. So I thought I'd let you know that. And uh, so never, never punch the guy with the mic. So anyway, uh, I want to uh, say I'm so glad uh, for my wife and my children. I'm proud of my family. And uh, I, I must tell you this, that, you know, I am, if you see a glow on my face, uh, God has blessed us with a grandson and a man alive. I told him, I said, y'all better hurry up and have another one or this thing ain't going to be worth killing. And uh, so I'm thankful for my family. And I am so glad today that I can say uh, that my family is living for God and serving God. And it's not because of what I've done. It's not because of what I deserve because I gave my parents torment. And it's only by the mercy and the grace of God. And I am thankful for that. And God's blessed me with a wonderful wife. And I'm glad to have all the folks from Sillsby here. And uh, my favorite choir sung last night. And uh, the reason, there is some reasons why uh, this is my favorite choir. One, because they're uh, in the church. Number two, because a lot of them pay good tithe. Uh, <clears throat> number three is because they get me out of preaching a lot of times on Sunday night. And uh, so I do appreciate them. And the best bus driver, grandma, uh, uh, Pops and, and Grandma over there taking care of us, do appreciate them so very much. And uh, to all of my fellow ministers of the gospel, Lord bless each and every one of you, laborers together in this great uh, vineyard. And I do appreciate each and every one of you very much. To Brother Shoemake, a wonderful message on soul winning and a burden for the lost. And another reason why I love these young people is because I see our young people every Saturday getting out, going on outreach, giving away uh, food, giving away snow cones, fixing things, and then on Sunday morning getting up early and bringing young people to the house of God. That's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. We've got to give somebody hope in this world. And uh, so I appreciate that wonderful message. And then Brother Jackson. And uh, Brother Jackson is so kind to me. And uh, he come in this evening or this morning while I was praying in the office. And he said, you're one of my favorite preachers. I said, you're just saying that because you feel like you're obligated to say that. Because a few years ago, he gave me a lot of grief. And uh, so he feels obligated uh, to be nice to me and to... To help me along now, and I appreciate that very much. Such a wonderful message from God. Amen. Such a wonderful message from God. Thank you so much, Brother Jackson. And I know Brother Holmes done a wonderful job this morning. Sorry I wasn't able to be there. Had a lot of young men there. Uh, but I figured I'd better uh, finish up on a few things to make this as pleasant as possible. And uh, looking forward to the Word of God tonight. And uh, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 8. 1 Samuel chapter number 8. And then I will go to Jeremiah chapter number 3. 
1 Samuel chapter number 8, verses number 6 and 7, Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 15. I have felt something I feel uh, from the Lord. If I did not feel it was from the Lord, I certainly wouldn't be preaching this morning. Uh, but I thought I had uh, direction a couple of months ago, and uh, just this past week for the last, I'd say, last 10 days or so, the Lord has been dealing with me about some things. And uh, so I want to try my best to help somebody in this place today. The Bible says, but... The thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, if you'll go to Jeremiah chapter number 3 and verse number 15, the Bible says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands toward heaven, our voices to God, and ask God to help us today. God, we are depending on you. We're trusting in you, Lord. I need your help. God, I am trusting in you, not my ability, but in you. Without you, I am nothing, God. I believe you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Help these young people in this place today, and I'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Lord bless you. You may be seated. For the next hour and a half. No, stand up in between the hour and a half, please. But anyway, I'm going to try to uh, be as quick as possible this morning. But I am going to, in the process, try my best to deliver to you what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. I want to preach to you from this subject this morning. Do not kill the influence. Do not kill the the influence. I, I look at, at the world and society today, and the world is very, uh, it is a mixed up and a dangerous place. And uh, I have never, I don't guess I've ever seen the chaos over a presidential election as I have seen uh, in the last year of people that did not get their way, and they're all upset about it. I don't know about you, but for the past eight years, I didn't have my way. But leave that as it may. I don't want to cross your political opinions, but if you like that, you were wrong, but just get over it. But anyway, uh, but, but now it seems that those who are as the world would say, independent thinkers and thinks that everyone ought to have their own opinion and uh, be influenced by whatever they would choose to be influenced by, they are the ones that's so upset. A single-minded people, and us us people that that are, you know, always trying to guard ourselves against things that 
that uh, we are the ones that, that, that's okay with, you know, if we don't get our way, we just go on and have another election and, and uh, then we just move on with life. But it seems like those who want to allow everything do not want to allow someone else's opinion if it's a conservative opinion. And uh, so I, I look at a world that, that places a lot of emphasis on independent thinking. And it tells us, don't let anyone tell you what to do. I've never seen a time where uh, the Bible has truly come into effect in this day and hour that, that, uh, that the Bible says that this is going to happen. I, I don't have the scripture, so I'll probably butcher the scripture. But, but uh, uh, children are, are women shall rule over them, or children shall oppress them, or vice versa. But, but it's getting things out of the order that God has planned and what God has placed. That, that you, you do and you act how you want to act. But that is not according to biblical standards. We heard last night, and Brother Jackson got on my message a little bit, but, but he talked about that God is a God of divine order. And uh, God puts restrictions in place. And may I say this, that restrictions are not there to harm us or to hinder us, but restrictions sometimes is there to protect us. Amen. Now, uh, I, I guess we're still in Texas here, and I have the great honor and privilege to live in the great state of Texas. And uh, they have a very high speed limit. They own two-lane two roads. The speed limit's 75 miles an hour. And it does not matter how high they set the speed limit. Everybody wants to go about 10 or 15 miles an hour faster than that. But the reason why there is regulations is because it is there to protect us. Now we like that when we see the speeding demon about 16 years old running up on our bumper trying to get us off of the road and get out of their way. We say, where is the state trooper when you need him? Unless... It's us that wants to speak. No one likes restrictions that restrict them. We like restrictions that restrict someone else. Amen. Amen. There is an independent thinking society that says, no respect for authority. Don't worry about authority in your life. They've taken out the respect for teachers. You don't have to respect them if, if the teacher makes you do something you don't want to do. Get, get your mom and daddy up there and talk to the school board or the Christian school principal or whatever and cause a big stir. And they'll let you do what you want to do eventually because that's the way that society is geared. No respect for authority in, uh, in the, the arena of government. They don't respect the authority of president. They don't respect the authority of Congress. They don't respect the authority of the law. The cops is always the bad guys. Doesn't matter that a guy robs a store. Doesn't matter that he shot someone. Doesn't matter that he's had out a warrant for his arrest. Doesn't even matter if he has a gun. 
Just don't let the cop act out of the way and do something on the spur of the moment that might harm a criminal. No respect. And this is what we have come up with with all of these things in society. You even decide how you want to live. I, 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 I deal with situations and I know that, that you all have seen them that that people have unruly kids that they cannot control. Now, I, I want to tell you, I've done some things that I shouldn't have done uh, when I was a teenager, but, but my daddy never was afraid of me. Never was afraid of me. I never intimidated him. I never made him nervous in a way that, oh, Lord, I'm worried what Homer's going to do. No. He had something that would bring me down to size. And he said, as long as you live here, as long as you're, if I'm paying the bills, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Now, there's times that I slipped around and he didn't know what I was doing, but when he found out, he did not come begging and pleading with me. And at that time, I did not like that. But at this time in life, I'm glad that I had parents that were parents. And let me tell you today, if you in this place today as young people have parents that are being parents to you, try your best to say thank you for standing up to me and not letting me utterly destroy my life. We're living in a world today that it doesn't matter how that you are born, when you get of age, you can decide even what gender you would like to be. Well, I've got news for you guys. You were born a male. You can't change it. That's what God placed you in the world to be. Now just get you some sandpaper, rough your hands up on it, Gargle with salt water or sand or something. Get a, a rough, raspy voice to you. Stop prissing around like a little sissy. And be a man. I've had a lot of problems in my life and a lot of difficulties in my life, but I've never seen a man that I looked at and said, Woo, you sure look cute today. But I tell you today, young ladies, there is a spirit that is going on in the world today that says, hey, be what you want to be. If you don't like what you are, you can change. And, and you know, that's kind of been acceptable. I hope not in the church. It's still not where I'm from. But, but I hope that it's not acceptable. It's kind of a cute thing. But I want to tell you, if you are attracted to another female young lady... You need to get in the altar until you pray through and get victory like was preached here last night. God is a God of structure. God is a God. Now, I'm going to try to get off of that and leave that alone. I, I, don't, I don't want everybody to think that I'm so mean and gruff every time I preach. But, my Lord, if preaching about sissies and stuff like that's rough, I hate to see it in a few years. Hebrews chapter 13 and 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, 
and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, and they must give an account that they may be able to do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Submit yourselves to them that have the rule over you. James chapter 7 and verse number, or James chapter 4 and verse number 7 says, Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you are being afflicted and oppressed by these spirits, let me tell you that you can submit to God and you can resist the devil. There is no spirit in the world today that is stronger than the power and the glory of the Almighty God. In this world today, there, there is those, some young folk, that, that have no respect for the elders. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6 and 7 said, Likewise, you, you younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Amen. Just because you're 16 or 17 or 18 doesn't mean that you have all the knowledge in the world. Listen to older folks. Watch older folks. A lot of places they've done been and they've done made it through it and they can save you a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. Amen. Submit yourself. Learn how to stop and open the door for an elderly person. Learn how to go see grandma every once in a while and grandpa every once in a while. Learn how to say thank you mama and thank you daddy every once in a while. Learn how to go to the nursing home ministry every once in a while and see an old saint of God that put nails in the wall of the sanctuary that you have an opportunity to walk in and to worship and to magnify God. Hallelujah. If it was not for those elderly saints of God, we would not, this building would not be here today. I can speak that by faith. I don't know a lot about it, but I can assure you that there were elders that sacrificed their time, they sacrificed their labor, they sacrificed their finances, where we today can come and lift up the name of the Lord in a beautiful place of worship. Amen. Submit yourself to the older. Amen. Respect the authority. Yea, all of you subject, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Listen to what the Word of God says, young people, that He may exalt you in due time. You want your ministry to flourish? You want to really do something for God? Amen. Just get busy in the vineyard and you will be exalted in due time. Don't rush the process. Just stay in the hand of God. Amen. 
Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1 and 3 says, Children, woo, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If you've got godly parents that's trying to raise you in the house of God, obey your parents in the Lord. Amen. Even if your parents are not in the church, you still should respect and obey them. Amen. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and mother. He's not an old man. My old man says, I can't go out tonight. Uh, it's going to get better. Maybe. I'm not sure. But My old man says, I, I, can't, I can't like that girl. My old man says, that's not the right boy for me. My old man, they're always getting in the way. I want to tell you, it's not your old man and the old woman. It's your mom and daddy that God has put in your life to build a wall of protection. As smart as you think you are, you're not as smart as what you really think you are. Amen. Amen. This is the first pro this is the first promise. Amen. The first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee. How many wants to live a long life? Man, I'm not interested in dying young. I mean, you know, I'm I'm wanting to go to heaven, but if you're getting a trip up today, just wait a little longer, please, Jesus. Amen. I want to stay here as long as I possibly can. And I'm praying for all those times I disrespected my parents, that God put them under the blood. Because the, the, the way that you're going to live a long life and you're going to prosper is by obeying your mom and daddy. Amen. Now, now let me try to get to what I want to talk to you about today. Killing the influence. Don't kill the influence. A pastor is one of the greatest things besides the Holy Ghost that you will ever have in this life. What is a pastor? A pastor could be just represented as a shepherd. You find that as Brother Shoemake was preaching last night where David was found, he was tending to the sheep. God did not do that by accident. But that was in the divine will, divine purpose and plan of God. That God would put him tending the sheep to allow him to know how to be a shepherd. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for what? Not to be there to hold your hand and wipe your nose and wipe every little tear from your eye. But he gave you the pastor for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what the man of God is in your life. That's what he's for in your life. That's what the purpose is. Now, now I know that we have, we have put, uh, the priorities on that, that the pastor is there for, uh, to preach my wedding and, and, uh, the pastor is there, 
to hold my hand when I'm in trouble and the pastor is there uh, to preach the funeral of my kinfolks. But that's not the duty of the man of God. The duty of the man of God is to be the shepherd to watch over the flock of God for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. Amen. As I I was looking today, I was I was in uh, Brother um, Calhoun's office praying and, and uh, getting prepared. And um, I, I looked and I said, man, this is a perfect representation of what uh, I, I want to preach about today. And uh, there, when you walk into his office, uh, there is a little seating area there. And uh, uh, his office is on behind that. But between... Um, uh, the the entrance door to the seating area and the entrance door to the office, there is a lion on one side with his claws up in the air and his mouth and his teeth uh, showing showing those fangs. And then on the other side, before you go into the office uh, to visit the pastor, there's a big bear sitting there looking at you like, He's guarding the pastor's door. If I could say it like this, that's the same way the adversary of your soul is. There is an adversary trying to cause a hindrance between you and your pastor. There is an adversary on one side saying, you don't want to talk to that man. And then there's an adversary on the other side said, stay out of that room. Because why? The devil knows that if he can get you to kill the influence of the pastor, in your life. Hallelujah. If He can scare you away, if He can hold you back, if He can put enough demons in your way to hinder you from getting where you need to be. Amen. I want to tell you, when you're in trouble, you need to go to the pastor's office. It shouldn't be, oh God, I'm scared. He's going to chew me out. He's going to beat me up. No, I can tell you what's going to happen. The pastor's going to say, hey, I know you were wrong. I hate that you did it. But I'm here to help you. I'm here to pick you up. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to give you strength. Don't kill the influence. Amen. In our text, we see the children of Israel, they had gotten, you know, to be recognizable force in the world of that day and time. And so they started looking at the other, the other countries that surrounded them. And they said, man, all of these countries have kings and they have lords that reign over them. And all we have is an old man called Samuel. Just an old prophet of God. And they, they went to Samuel and they said, look Samuel, this is not working. This is not what we want to be recognized as. You know, we're, we, we are just, we're just different than the rest of the world and we just don't fit in. So we want you to make a king over us. And it hurt, it hurt Samuel's feelings to say the least. And Samuel was a little bit upset because Samuel, since a young child had had given his life to the kid to Israel and to help them and to 
be the prophet of God that God had called them to be. And he went to the Lord in prayer. And this is what the Lord told Samuel. He said, give them what they want because you're looking at them like they rejected me or you. But they really in turn rejected me. What happens young people is when you start shying away from the pastor and you start backing up from the man of God and you start avoiding the man of God. You're not avoiding the man of God. You're avoiding God. You're moving away from God. You're stealing away from God. You're killing the influence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse number 8, or verse number 5, chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, they said, Now make us a king to judge over us like all the nations that are around us. Make us a pastor. Make us someone like the other denominal churches in the world. Amen. But that's not what God has called us to be. We are God's people. We don't look like them. We don't act like them. We don't talk like them. We don't have church like them. We don't have things going on like them. God has set up things in the church like God wants it to be. Amen. 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 But Samuel tells the children of God, you want a king? I'll give you a king. But they didn't want the influence of the man of God. So he saw one that God had picked out called Saul. Saul was a good man. Saul was a godly man. Saul was a strong man. But this is what Samuel said. He said, you're wanting a king? Let me tell you what a king's going to do. A king is going to take your sons. A king is going to take your money. A king is going to take your fields. A king is going to take your harvest. A king is going to take your daughters. But all God is doing is trying to give you direction and help. You want the world? Let me tell you what the world is going to do to you, young people. The world is going to take your purity. The world is going to take your good looks. The world is going to take your good health. The world is going to take you and utterly destroy you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then it goes on down that it began to take place just as Samuel told the children of Israel. They killed the influence of Samuel. Even though Saul still had the influence of the man of God in his life. But one day the man of God said, come. And he said, let us go to war and utterly destroy the Amalekites. There's another place where Saul took it upon himself. He said, I am the king. I am God's man. I will go ahead and offer the burnt offerings. Amen. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how big you get. It doesn't matter. And I know there will be people, young people in this congregation in the next 20 years if the Lord tarries. You'll be millionaires. You'll be paying $100,000 a year in 
tithing and sometimes the devil will make himself available and say let's tighten up the screws on the pulpit amen and you can sit there and say hey I have arrived but let me tell you something young people when that day comes don't kill the influence of the preacher you're there by the hand of God the preacher's what got you there amen the anointing of God has what brought you to this point Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Kill all the Amalekites. He goes out. The preacher comes in. What's, the, what's this I hear in the background? What's this noise I hear, Saul? What's the bleeding of the sheep, the law of the oxen? What, what's, this, what's this guy I see sitting right out here in your foyer, Saul? Who is this? Well, that's the king of Agag. And that's, who, what, what is all this? Oh, we brought them back to give them offerings unto the Lord. Can I tell you, God doesn't care about your offerings. Amen. Obedience is better than your sacrifice. Until you are obeying the commandments of God. Amen. You can give sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. That's never going to save you. Well, praise God. That's still the truth anyway. Sacrifice until you're blue in the face. Amen. Until you learn how to obey, 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 obey. I know you can pay your tithe and be blessed. Amen. But paying your tithe alone is not going to get you into heaven. You gotta obey. You gotta obey Acts 2.38. You gotta obey separation from the world. You've gotta obey coming out from among them. Hallelujah. 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 At that point, Samuel was so upset that he took a sword and he hewed up the body of the king. He utterly destroyed him. He got rid of him. And then he turns around to walk out of the palace. And Saul grabs a hold of his garment. And it starts to tear. And he says, this day, the kingdom has been torn from your hands. And he walks out of the presence. Now, I don't know about you. But if that would have just happened to me, I'd have been crawling, screaming, wrapping my arms around the man of God saying, don't leave me now. Don't leave me. I've been wrong. But no, no, no. That was not Saul's attitude. Saul went on leading the kingdom just as if nothing ever happened. But when it come down to it, he had killed the influence of the man of God in his life. And when it come down to the end of his road, and he was getting ready to go into a, to a military activity that he knew that he didn't have the ability to conquer, he said, oh, if I could just hear the man of God one more time. Amen. I want to tell you today, young people, if you're not very careful, Careful, if you kill the influence, there will come a day to where you're standing on the side of Skid Row saying, if I could just hear the preacher, if I could just hear the man of God, if I could just touch him one more time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was so strong. That Saul even went to a witch 
And the witch, he disguised himself because, see, this is something that he destroyed. That he went back to when he didn't have the preacher. Those things that you've escaped, those drugs that you've killed, those habits that you've put under the blood, if you don't submit yourself to the preacher, you'll start turning right back to them. He had all the witches killed because he was purging the kingdom of the things that was displeasing to God. But when he found himself without restraint, without order, even without a man of God, he went searching after what he had previously destroyed. Listen to me, young people. Hold on to the influence of the man of God in your life. We find there was another one. There was another one called Herod. Herod in the New Testament, we find that he was intrigued. He was, he was impressed. There was something about John the Baptist that, that got Herod's attention. There was something about John the Baptist that was just amusing to him. And he would occasionally go out to hear what John the Baptist was doing. And when he would go out to hear John the Baptist would preach, Herod, I don't care if you're the king. I don't care who you are. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care who your great grandpa is. The woman that you're living with is not your wife. And I want to tell you, you living in sin the preacher would preach to him the preacher would preach and it made him so upset and made Herodias so mad that they throwed the preacher in prison shut up the mouth of the prophet of God throwed him in prison but there was something that still there was something about John the Baptist Herod said I'm trying to make this woman satisfied but you know there's something about John the Baptist. I don't know. I don't know if maybe he had, he had slipped John the Baptist a little extra every once in a while and say, man, you know, I, I know you telling the truth. I know you telling me what I need to hear. You know, it ain't what I want to hear. And it's certainly not what that woman wants to hear. But, but you know, I, I, there's something about you that's just, man, it's just, there's something about that preacher I just, I just like. And man, he busts my chops every time he preaches. But, but you see him come back and they, there's something, you know what it is? It's the power of God. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's the glory of God. And there was something that just, got Herod's attention about John. But one day, Herod was having a party. This young lady comes in and begins to dance before Herod. The music begins to play. We don't know what it all consists of, but I'm sure it wasn't an holy dance or an holy activity. But it turned to a sinful nature and a lustful nature. And out of the lust of Herod's heart, he makes a statement, You have pleased me so well. I'm so excited about what you have done today. I will give you anything up to the half 
of my kingdom. What a stupid, stupid, stupid statement. But I look at young people that make this statement on a daily basis. I'll give you my life. I'll give you everything. I've just got to have this right now. I've got to have this makeup. I've got to have this boyfriend. I've got to have this girlfriend. And the preacher standing in the background. No, 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 no. No, no, no. And you're taking a rag and shoving in the preacher's mouth. Hush up, conscience. Hush up, man of God. Amen. And you're killing the the influence of the pastor. But out of the sinful nature and spirit that was there, he says, anything that you want. And this young lady comes back and she says, you know what I want? I want the head of John the Baptist on a charger. Can you imagine what Herod's expression was? Out of all the wealth, out of all the fame, out of all the palace, you want this preacher's head? And I want to tell you what the devil wants in your life. What the devil wants in life out of you is just little by little kill the influence of that preacher. Let him do something that just rubs you the wrong way or just ruffles your feathers or just makes you upset or just displeases you. He don't speak to you. He don't, he don't pat you on the back and tell you how good you are and how wonderful you are. Let something happen that just, just takes you off in the wrong way and you're willing to give it all away. And Herod said, no, no, not John. Come on. What do you want that for? Why does the devil want the influence of the preacher in your life? You know why he wants the influence of the preacher in your life? Because when he gets the influence of the preacher in your life, he's got free reign to everything there is about you. Because Brother Jackson said it last night, before the devil gets to you, he's got to get through the preacher. Maybe even Herod tried to plan an escape route for John the Baptist, but there was no escape route. When you play with sin, there is no getting off of the merry-go-round. You don't quit when you want to quit. When you snort cocaine, you don't stop just when you want to stop. When you start drinking alcohol, you don't quit it when you want to stop it. When you start living an ungodly lifestyle, you don't just turn it off when you want to turn it off. Why? Because you've killed the influence of the man of God. Amen. He's still preaching, but you don't hear him. He's still, he's still railing from the top of his voice, but you don't hear him. Amen. Some of you don't hear the preacher today. Why? Because you've already, little by little, you've taken the influence of the man of God out of your life. Put the preacher in prison. Hem him up. Tie him up. But it does not change the fact that sin is sin. Not John. Not John. But the devil says, yeah, I'm not stopping 
until I have the influence of the man of God in your life. You want the hands of God on you? How many wants the fingerprints of God on you? Hey, man, I want the fingerprints. There's, there's a song that says, I can see the fingerprints of God. Hey, man, you know, they, they really don't know what they're talking about. But I tell you what the fingerprints of God's going to look like. Hey, man, Brother Calhoun, stand up. Brother Jackson, stand up. You other pastors, stand up. You see these men, if this is your pastor, stand up, pastors. You see these men in here, if they're your pastor, if that is your pastor, you look at their hands. That's what the fingerprints of God's going to look like on you. It's when you allow the preacher to put his hands on you and lead you and guide you. Thank you. You can be seated and direct you in the way that you need to be directed and keep you from the harm and the danger that's coming down the road for you. That's what the fingerprints of God. It's good to go to youth meetings. It's good to hear other preachers. Amen. But I want to tell you the best preacher in your life is when you get home on Sunday morning and your pastor steps to the pulpit and he brings the Word of God. It doesn't matter how good the youth conference was. Amen. That's my preacher. That's who's going to get me to heaven. That's who's fighting the battle for me. Hallelujah! Don't kill the influence! I am going to tell a story. I don't know if the story is true. I don't know if the story is not true. God spoke in parables, so maybe this is a parable, but it has a great, great meaning. And uh, the first I heard this story, it was preaching, preached years ago. A preacher was preaching by some of Brother Jackson's kinfolks. Brother T.G. McNeely was preaching. And he told this story. I heard the message and heard the story. And I shared it years ago with our church. And I'm going to share it with you today. But So this is not original with me. I am borrowing something that someone else has previously told, such as all of these scriptures that I have read today. They're not original with me either. But there was a man that lived in the mountains, way up in the mountains. And uh, this man uh, and his wife, his family, lived there, and they lived off of the land. Up in this little cabin in the mountains, this man, this wife, and his children had... A big old German shepherd dog that they had gotten when he was a little puppy and the dog had been a friend of the family for many, many, many years. They had raised their children together. The dog was very protective of his family, of his wife, of himself, and especially of the children. There was times that they could leave the children with the dog and they wouldn't have to worry about the dangers of anyone coming in or hurting him, hurting the children or anything because the dog was a protector. He had just grown up that way to love them very much. The dog was pretty much just part of the family, was not just a four-legged animal at all, but he had grown to be part of the family. One day, the wife was out and the older children were out and the man had a young child that was just in a crib, just a very small baby, and something had happened, 
And the man needed to go down the hill some ways to uh, get something that was very urgent. I, I can't remember exactly what had happened, but he had to leave the child there because it was too cold to take the baby out. So he puts the baby in the bassinet beside the bed in the bedroom and he covers it up real good and he talks to his faithful friend the dog and he says look I've got to go out the dog's sitting there acting like he acknowledges every word that his master is saying he said I've got to go out I'm going to be gone for a little bit you protect the baby and he calls the baby's name the dog looks as he acknowledges what is going on the dog sets guard as a man starts out on his journey. Quite some time, an hour or so passes and the man comes back. And uh, when the man comes back, he enters into the yard and he sees the dog sitting on the front porch. The dog is sitting there with his tongue lagged out of the side of his mouth and he looks on the porch and on the snow and he sees something that is red all over the snow and he looks at the dog and he says what in the world is going on and the dog is sitting there with the dog look with his tongue hanging out blood dripping off of the side of his mouth and he begins to scream and to cry and to say what have you done and the dog comes out to lick the master's hand and the man, out of his anger, seeing all the evidence of the blood on the floor, the blood on the porch, the blood in the yard, the blood on the dog, he takes his, the hatchet that he has in his hand and he starts beating the dog and he starts chopping the dog, screaming how did you do this? How can you do such a thing? And he kills the dog. And he's laying there in the blood of the dog with the hair on his hand and the hatchet in his hand just screaming and crying. And he hears something in the background, a noise of a whimpering baby. And he says, oh my word, what's going on? What's happened? What's taking place? And he drops his hatchet and he runs into the house. He runs through the back room. He opens a bedroom door. And there in the bedroom, there's a wolf that is laying in the middle of the floor. There is blood. There is hair. It's all over the place where they had fought in the yard, where they had fought in the living room, where they had fought in the bedroom and he looks for the baby and the baby is out of her bassinet and he hears the whimper of the baby and he looks up under the bed and wrapped neatly in its blanket the dog had shifted the baby up under its bed while the dog went into the yard to fight the angry beast that would take the baby's life out of the man's anger he killed the best friend that he ever had out of his 
rushed to judgment. He said, what vicious animal this is. But it was the protection. The evidence showed something that was totally wrong than what it was. Let me tell you, young people, the evidence on Sunday night when the pastor is coming down your alley and he's preaching the Word of God to you, he's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's not trying to ruin your life. But he's trying to help. He's trying to save the baby. There is some of you in your rush to judgment today. You're killing the influence of the preacher. There's blood. Sunday night looks like a bloodbath at church. Man, the office looks like he's throwing stuff all over the place. But what he's doing, he's trying to protect your innocence. He's trying to protect your virtue. He's trying to fight off the walls of hell that's come into your home to destroy you. And hear me today, parents that are sitting in this place. Don't you take the influence of the pastor's hands off of your children. Don't talk to my little baby that way. Don't get on to my son. Don't put my boy off of the platform. You let the pastor do what he needs to do because he's trying to protect the baby. How many preachers have been killed? prematurely in lives how much blood of a pastor has been shed you can be seated I'm almost through I promise how much blood has been shed around the dinner table you know what you're doing mama you know what you're doing daddy you're destroying the influence of the man of God that can keep that boy on the straight and narrow that can keep that girl from getting pregnant at 13 or 14 or 15 years old. That can help you raise your family in the house of God. No, it's not because the preacher has all the answers. I'll be the first to admit that people ask me stuff. I say, God, I don't know. Amen. But you know what happens? It's through the anointing of the Holy Ghost and God's plan. God gives the preacher wisdom to deal with the problem. God gives the preacher the ability to hide and protect the child. David, one last one. And I will end with this. Just a shepherd boy. Just tending the sheep. God anoints him. To be king. Samuel is no longer around. But God has a man called Nathan. That is in David's life. He is David's man of God. David is king. David is a very popular king. David is a world leader. David is leading one of the most powerful countries of that time. David is one of the most wealthy, well-known men in the known world. 
at that time. Nathan comes in to David's house and he tells David a story in 2 Samuel chapter number 7, I believe it is. He tells him a story about a murdering thief. And it makes David so angry and David so mad and David so furious. He said, who is the man? This man needs to die. This man needs to pay back what he has stolen. This man needs to do whatever needs to be done to make it right. And the preacher, no doubt, afraid for his life, no doubt had told God, God, man, if I deal with this situation, it might be the end of the entire church. God, if I deal with this situation, it might send him over the edge. You know King David's pretty edgy right now. David had the power and the authority to call someone in and say, take this guy's head off. I want his influence in my life gone. They come to the music, please. He said, David, thou art the man. And I don't know if he may have backed up a few steps. But he said, thou art the man, David. David looked and his mind was open and he realized what he was done and immediately there was a decision to be made. What are you going to do, David? You're going to kill the influence? This man's out to hurt you, David. There was a lion on one side. There's a bear on the other side. You don't want to go in that office. You don't want to go back to church. You don't want to go through that again. You don't want to face it again. You don't want to hear it again. You're old enough now. You're 18. You're 21. You're 25. You can make your own decision fully on what the rest of the world thinks. They're just old codgers anyway. They don't know what's going on in life. You're faced with the decision right now to kill or to let live. To kill or to let live. Thou art the man, David. But I like verse number 13, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. David made a decision. Maybe it went over in his mind. I know what happened to Saul. 
Saul killed the influence of Samuel. I don't want to kill the influence of the man of God. Even though I have the power. Even though I have the authority. Even though I have the ability. And it looks like he's trying to kill me. He's really trying to save me. And this was the response of the preacher. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. Let's pray right now. Everybody in this house right now. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, lift up your voice unto the Lord right now. Come on, young people, help me right now. Reach out to God right now. Oh, I'd rather you be swinging from the chandeliers. I'd rather you be running the aisles. But I don't think that's what God wants out of you right now. God may be trying to talk to one. He may be trying to talk to two. He may be trying to talk to you once you listen to the Word of God. Oh, it's been rough. It's been hard. It's been difficult. But I'm trying to convince you today. Leave the influence of the preacher in your life alone.